We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 231 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. The NFL's second ever Super Wildcard Weekend. That was complete. And the weekend uh, was not so super. Uh, Not in terms of competitive games, anyway. Now, playoff football is always super. Playoff football is like pizza and a few other things. Even when it's bad, it's still good. Uh, But yeah, a lot of blowouts during this now-completed Super Wildcard Weekend. Four of the six games ended up being blowouts, including the Monday Nighter, the Los Angeles Rams blasting the Arizona Cardinals 34-11 as Washington offensive coordinator turned Rams head coach Sean McVay won himself another playoff game. Sean McVay now is Rams head coach 55 and 26 over five regular seasons and four and three in the postseason. Not bad. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Next segment, I'm going to talk about a Washington football team. What if from this Rams route of the Cardinals on Monday night? No, not the Sean McVay. What if the Matthew Stafford? What if? What if our Washington football team had traded for Stafford? last offseason. Should Washington have tried harder to trade for Stafford last offseason? Should Washington have offered more to the Detroit Lions for Stafford? And had Washington acquired Stafford, how different might things be for Washington right now? You know, as we embark on this 2022 Washington offseason for which so much is about the search for the franchise quarterback, it's hard not to wonder about last offseason's failed pursuit of Matthew Stafford. Now, speaking of Washington's never-ending quest for a franchise quarterback, I have a special guest for you on the show to talk about that and much more. He is an anonymous guest. He doesn't want his real name being used. I don't even know his real name. He is the anonymous writer for Hogshaven who goes by the moniker Kyle Smith for GM. Uh, If you read Hogshaven, which is the SB Nation site for the Washington football team, you surely have read the work of Kyle Smith 
for GM. But while his identity is a mystery, whether he knows his stuff is not. Uh, he is a smart guy. He's a critical thinker. And so we have a good Washington football team conversation for you coming up. I'll discuss Washington's quarterback situation, where we are at with Rod and Rivera, whether both Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio should be back with Washington for the 2022 season, and a lot more with Kyle Smith for GM, writer for Hogs Haven. Also on the show, I will properly commemorate a terrific win for the Wizards, maybe their best win of the season, a 117-98 ripping of the Philadelphia 76ers at Capital One Arena on Monday afternoon. The Wizards for this game were down to their third string head coach, but the Wiz were the healthiest that the team has been all season in terms of players, and it showed in the performance. The Wizards smashed a 76ers team that had been playing well. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com, including if you would like to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to reach thousands of people every day to grow your business or practice, put the power of the pod to work for you with the only Washington, D.C. sports podcast for which there's a new episode every weekday, Monday through Friday, out early in the 5 a.m. hour. Podcast advertising, very affordable, very much gives you a bang for your buck. So just hit us up. Again, the email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Benny off our conversation on Monday's show, episode 230, on whether the Washington football team should be interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, and Russell Wilson, to whatever extent those guys might be available this offseason. And I conceded that Carr and Wilson seem unlikely to be available. Although, how about the news with the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday evening? The Raiders relieving Mike Mayock of his duties as general manager of the Raiders. So a new GM coming for the Raiders, perhaps a new vision at quarterback coming for the Raiders, and maybe just maybe Derek Carr will be made available. We shall see. Anyway, tweets Benny, Al, we have a solid backup quarterback. I only want to go high. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, or Deshaun Watson, parentheses, ifs. But using all artillery for Wilson. If not, don't go with halves. Derek Carr, Mitchell Trubisky, etc. Just do the homework. Take the risk and get the quarterback who you like the most in the NFL draft. Agree, question mark. Uh, Benny, I do agree, with one exception. I do not hold Derek Carr in the same class as Mitchell Trubisky. Carr, to me, is in that second-tier class of quarterbacks. He's not top five, probably isn't top 10, although he recently has been top 10 statistically, but I'd put him more in the range of top 12 the top 15, but Derek Carr has been a lot better than Mitchell Trubisky has been. Uh, if Washington could get Carr and work out a contract extension, I would be for that. I'm just not optimistic about him being available. But yes, generally speaking, I'm with you, Benny. Aim high. The goal here shouldn't be just to get someone who's better than Taylor Heineke. The goal here should be to get someone who is great. And I'm not at all convinced that Mitchell Trubisky would even be an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Trubisky might be an upgrade over Heineke, but to me, that's not a slam dunk. So hopefully Washington can get its hands on a quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft who the team really likes, or at the very least believes has great upside. The draft to me feels like the most viable path for Washington this offseason in the quest for a franchise quarterback to get a franchise quarterback. But as we know, things can change. And maybe the veteran franchise quarterback path ends up being 
the most doable path. Who the heck knows? Email from Kim in Pennsylvania on something from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win over the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday afternoon during a super wild card weekend. Writes Kim, I thought it was a little selfish of Tom Brady to stay in the game. He needs to leave when the game is in hand. Heck, couldn't blame Gabbert. Use some playing time. What would happen if Brady went down? Just not a good decision. Come on, man. Uh, thank you for the email, Kim. I agree with you. I was saying to myself while watching that game, why is Brady still playing? The Bucks were up at the end of the third quarter, 31-0. Get Brady out of there. The risk of injury is far greater than the risk of the Eagles coming back to win the game. And you could always put Brady back into the game if need be. So I'm not sure what Bruce Arians was thinking. And if that was, in fact, Brady's call to stay in the game, too bad. Get him out. You know, save him from himself. But, you know, Bill Belichick has done this, too. He has kept Brady in games long after those games have been decided. I don't get that. The risk is totally unnecessary. Email from Michael King on the Nationals 2017 first round pick pitcher Seth Romero getting arrested and charged with DWI. Writes Michael, man, what an awful pick that was. Mike Rizzo has got to get better in player acquisition and development, as you have been saying. Yes, uh, Michael King, Mike Rizzo does need to get better in that regard. I love Rizzo. He is the ninja. Uh, He, to me, is the second best general manager in Washington, D.C. sports history after the great Bobby Beathard. But the Nats drafting and player development uh, have faltered big time in recent years. I mean, that more than anything else is why the Nats are where they are in terms of having to rebuild. But great job by Rizzo, as we discussed on Monday's show, in signing the kid known as the phenomenon outfielder and top international prospect Christian Vaquero, as was announced on Saturday. That was really good news for the Nationals. Uh, Hopefully, Christian Vaquero will grow into being a superstar for the Nats. And if you own, run, or work at a business that you want to grow, put ImageWorks to work for you. ImageWorks is a full-service boutique web design branding and marketing company, and it right now has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. ImageWorks is located in the DMV, but ImageWorks serves the entire country by utilizing a virtual approach with the latest video meeting software to engage, communicate, and share award-winning designs. So what's the offer? Well, ImageWorks doesn't want to sell you. ImageWorks wants to show you what it can do, and that starts with a free review of your website and SEO visibility to establish a base of where you are and map a chart for where you want to be. ImageWorks and you will plan with digital web and marketing goals that you can see live via ImageWorks customers portal. The portal shows you how all goals are performing in Google Analytics and how all marketing programs and website visitors are behaving. ImageWorks clients range from startups and small and mid-sized businesses. ImageWorks specializes in technology and in business to consumer services such as home services and medical services. So here's what you do. Go to imageworkscreative.com and click on contact near the upper right corner. That's imageworkscreative.com. Image, one word, works, plural, creative.com, imageworkscreative.com. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. Also, you can call or text the owner of ImageWorks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. Hit him up, 703-928-7309. Scott's a big fan of the Washington football team, big fan of the Nationals, regular listener of this podcast, and he loves brainstorming ideas and technology that can help you grow your business. Scott has been doing what he is doing 
since 1996. ImageWorks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. Well, the what-if game is a dangerous game because it often involves presupposing things that you just can't presuppose. But it was hard for me as a Washington football team fan to watch the Los Angeles Rams 34-11 blowout of the Arizona Cardinals on Monday night to conclude Super Wildcard Weekend and not wonder what if Washington had traded for Matthew Stafford last offseason. Matthew Stafford on Monday night was great. 13-17 for 202 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. He took one sack. He had six carries for 22 yards and a touchdown. The Rams in the third quarter led 28-0. The game was a joke. The Rams' defense had a lot to do with that, but a Rams offense quarterbacked by Matthew Stafford also had a lot to do with the game being a joke in the Rams' favor. Now, this was Matthew Stafford's first career NFL playoff win. Uh, Stafford entered the game as having the most career touchdown passes of any NFL quarterback who had never won a playoff game. Uh, That honor now belongs to Sonny Jurgensen. Yes, Sonny Jurgensen never won a playoff game. He was on the 1972 Washington team that won the NFC Championship, but Sonny was not the starting quarterback for the team that postseason. Billy Kilmer was. So arguably the greatest quarterback in Washington history now is the quarterback with the most career touchdown passes of any NFL quarterback who has never won a playoff game. (laughs) Yes, there is the classic Sonny Jurgensen laugh. I love that laugh. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's not funny though, Sonny, okay? You were worthy of a playoff win and yet you never technically got a playoff win. Anyway, Matthew Stafford now finally has himself a playoff victory. So especially now with Washington just starting an offseason in which it is obvious to everyone that the team is laser focused on getting itself a franchise quarterback, how realistic was Washington trading for Stafford, who is a franchise quarterback, last offseason? Well, we know that Washington tried to trade for Stafford. Washington per multiple reports, offered at least a first-round pick and a third-round pick to the Detroit Lions for Stafford. Now, Dallas Cowboys insider Mike Fisher of SI.com last February 1st reported that Washington offered its 2021 first-round pick, number 19 overall, a third-round pick, and, quote, a starting player, end quote, to the Lions for Stafford. Who that player was, we do not know. We do know that the Rams package for Stafford ended up being quarterback Jared Goff, first round picks in 2022 and 2023, and a 2021 third round pick. So the Rams got Stafford for Goff, two ones and a three. However, there's a belief that the Rams dumping Goff on the Lions is why the Rams had to include all of that draft capital. In other words, the Lions getting Goff was seen as the Lions taking on Goff and his contract, not the Lions getting Goff, Uh, not the Lions getting themselves someone who they really wanted. So if in fact that was the case, then you potentially can take away either one of the first round picks or the third round pick in trying to decipher what exactly Stafford himself went for in the trade. Bottom line, the Rams gave up more for Stafford than Washington reportedly was willing to give up. Now, it has been said, and it is quite possible, 
that Stafford didn't want to come to Washington, that he preferred the Rams. Why wouldn't he have preferred the Rams, given the excellence of that organization with former Washington offensive coordinator Sean McVay as head coach? And so perhaps Washington never really had that much of a shot at trading for Stafford. But we do know that Washington tried to trade for Stafford. Remember, too, that the trade came together quickly. It was on January 23rd, 2021, that we had multiple reports that the Lions would be trading Matthew Stafford. The news of Stafford being traded to the Rams broke just a week later, January 30th, 2021. The trade became official on March 18th, 2021. Washington clearly tried to trade for Matthew Stafford, but didn't try as hard as Washington perhaps could have. And that's the what if. What if Washington had offered, say, two first-round picks and a third-round pick for Stafford? Would he now be Washington's quarterback? Would Washington now have itself a franchise quarterback in Matthew Stafford? Would Washington have had a much better 2021 season than the team ended up having? Would we all be feeling a lot better about Washington right now had the team traded for Matthew Stafford last offseason. Now, maybe Stafford would have gotten hurt this season had he been Washington's quarterback. I mean, knowing Washington's luck, Stafford would have suffered a broken right leg or right hip subluxation or something at some point this season. I mean, Washington's injury luck with newly acquired veteran quarterbacks over the last few seasons has been terrible, right? See Alex Smith, see Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Also, it's more than possible that the Matthew Stafford, who we have seen this season, we would not have seen with Washington. You know, Stafford has thrived this season in playing for McVay and playing with the likes of maybe the best receiver in the NFL in Cooper Cup and another good receiver in Van Jefferson and now another star receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. and a quality tight end in Tyler Higby. How do you think Stafford would have done with a Washington supporting cast that featured the likes of Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas being so limited due to injury? Maybe not well. Or maybe Stafford would have elevated Washington's supporting cast. I mean, Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. Stafford came into the 2021 season having ranked among qualified NFL quarterbacks in the top 15 in the NFL, and ESPN's total QBR seven times over the previous 10 regular seasons, including three top 10 rankings over the previous five regular seasons. Stafford for the 2021 regular season was number four among qualified NFL quarterbacks in total QBR and was number three among qualified NFL quarterbacks in yards per pass attempt. Now, his performance as the regular season went on did dip a bit, but the overall body of work ended up being quite good. Matthew Stafford is good. I think he's really good. Now, he does have some mileage on his body, but he, for the most part, has been very durable. And he, on Monday night, totally outplayed Kyler Murray. There clearly is an urgency for Washington to get a franchise quarterback this offseason. Ron Rivera has made that clear. There was not that urgency last offseason. There was a desire, but there was an urgency. That's why Washington only went so far in trying to get Stafford. Now, I didn't have a problem with Washington only going so far to try to get Stafford at the time. And like I said, it may well be that Stafford didn't want to come to Washington. But I do wonder if Washington had it offered more for Stafford, could have gotten Stafford. And I don't know how you don't wonder how much different things might be 
for our team right now. Up next, much more on the Washington football team as I'll talk Washington football team with Kyle Smith for GM, writer for Hogshaven. We'll discuss the state of the team under Ron Rivera. What's realistic for Washington and its pursuit of a franchise quarterback this offseason and much more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, time now for our special guest to talk Washington football team. He is a writer for Hogs Haven, which is the SB Nation site for the Washington football team and is a site that I know a lot of you listening read. Uh, he goes by the name Kyle Smith for GM. And yes, he is aware that Kyle Smith is not a contender uh, to be Washington's general manager. Kyle Smith for GM. He operates in anonymity. He operates in mysterious ways, but he has written some really good stuff for Hogshaven. He's a smart Washington football team fan, and it's nice to have him back on the Al Galdi podcast. Kyle Smith for GM. How are you? I'm doing well, Al. Thanks. Happy New Year, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on very much. Well, before we get to some of the recent pieces that you've written uh, let's start with, I guess, a global question about our football team. So two years into the Ron Rivera era, relative to however you felt when he got hired as Washington head coach and head of football operations two years ago, would you say that you feel better or worse about Ron as Washington head coach and head of football operations today? You know, that's a good question. I think I feel a little bit, you know, I feel fairly neutral. I feel like the Ron Rivera that we got is kind of what I expected. Um, I'm definitely not uh, overwhelmed. Um, a little, <laughs> maybe a little bit underwhelmed. Uh, but I think also that the joint GM coach head coach role—that's a lot of responsibility for an individual to have. And I honestly don't think there's a lot of uh, folks who can pull it off. You know, maybe Bill Belichick, but it's that's a lot of responsibility. And I think maybe sort of what we're seeing. Uh, this offseason with the dire situation around the quarterback position is the result of maybe not really having thought through uh, particularly the last offseason real well. You know, I mean, Brian Fitzpatrick was a bridge quarterback, but what was he bridging? You know, there was not even a developmental quarterback that was taken in the draft. Um, and so we find ourselves this offseason, you know, trying to figure out, okay, are we going to be able to get some kind of vet 
who can uh, make the team competitive, or are we going to have to put all our chips in on a, a rookie with that number 11 pick or maybe a trade-up? Um, and the reality just is is that rookie quarterbacks don't usually get you to the playoffs. You know, it's interesting going back to last offseason. I personally was understanding of Washington not trading up in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft to take Justin Fields or Mac Jones. To me, if you don't love the guy, don't give up assets to move up to take the guy. But looking back on that, should Washington have traded up in the first round of the 2021 draft to take Fields or Jones? You know, I, I don't I don't begrudge him that. And I was in the same spot that that you were. And, you know, I, I think that that was the right decision. And, you know, looking at how those guys performed, none of them were stars. I think Mac Jones did fairly well. Uh, but I think it's also because Belichick really constructed the team and the offense around his limitations. Um, what I do have some second thoughts on is um, the uh, going over um, – Davis Mills, uh, the guy who I think they really were looking at in the third round. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk that, okay, on that day two, they're going to take a developmental quarterback. And whether that was Kellen Mond or Davis Mills, not clear, but I thought it was probably Mills. And I liked Mills because um, he he had a, he was he was a great prospect coming out of high school. He had some serious injury problems and some COVID issues in college, so he didn't get a lot of playing time. But it looked like the skill set was there that if he had a year or two to sit on the bench, you know, he could potentially develop. Assuming his injury issues didn't come up, and I and I think maybe in retrospect, and yes, it's some Monday morning quarterbacking that it might have made sense to to look at Mills uh, in the second if that was what they were considering. And again, especially if you if you thought the process through of, well, what happens if Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, not that he gets injured, but what happens if he just sort of plays average in 2021? Where does that leave us in 2022? Um, and that means you've got to draft a quarterback in 2022, and, and then 2022 becomes a developmental year essentially so uh, i think like i say maybe there wasn't enough consideration given last offseason to sort of the ripple effects of not having uh somebody in the pipeline to to develop as a qb of the future when it comes to this offseason and washington's search for a franchise quarterback who slash what to you is realistic like obviously we can talk about a lot of quarterbacks who might be available via trade and free agency, but the truth is that they're not all going to be available. And even if they are, they may not want to come to Washington. We can talk about the 2022 NFL draft, but there are potential limitations with Washington only having the number 11 overall pick. So who slash what to you is realistic for Washington? Yeah, it's a a tough question. I mean, I'm looking at the free agent quarterback rankings and you've got guys like James Winston, who I think is going to probably stay in New Orleans. I think Sean Payton sees something in him, um, and certainly he, he's better than what they fielded after he got injured. Um, then you've got guys like Mitch Trubisky, you know, who, who washed out in Chicago and who they decided to draft somebody else uh, for, and, and um, uh, Marcus Mariota, who is a decent quarterback, but you know is built of glass. So it's it's you've got five guys who. Um, 
have some possibilities, but they've all got really fatal flaws. And then, you know, you had your people talking about, oh, we'll just trade for Derek Carr. Derek Carr, in my opinion, he's not going anywhere. I mean, the Raiders would be really foolish to let him get out the door, even um, if they do have a massive change over there. If Mike Mayock gets fired, and they bring in all new folks. I think, you know, Carr could be a legitimate a bridge quarterback for somebody they might draft in the first round. So, um, and then, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has talked about as well. Maybe he, he's on the trade table since Trey Lance is uh, in the pipeline there. Um, and, you know, I don't know what the, what's going to happen there. It's, he just won a playoff game, you know? So I could see Kyle Shanahan saying, well, let's keep him around another year to give Trey Lance another developmental year. I don't think that's a foregone conclusion that he's coming out either. So, <clears throat> On the vet side, I think that it's it's really mixed. I don't see anybody who is guaranteed to get you to the playoffs in 2022. Um, and on the the rookie, you know, the draft side, um, I, I'm sort of just getting into the film myself. I don't watch a ton of college football uh, until the off season. And uh, a guy that looks interesting to me is, is Sam Howell, but he seems to have some significant. Um, uh, concerns, and then there's you know Kenny Pickett, Matt Coral, um, all sorts of other uh, folks who seem like they're in that first round discussion, but nobody who seems to be you know an ironclad uh, first year uh, difference maker in terms of uh, in terms of the rookies. So I think it's it's a tough situation, but Ron has to, I feel like Ron has to get this uh, get it right this off season by quarterback, um, and it probably is some combination of a vet and we're talking Washington football team with Kyle Smith for GM, writer for Hogs Haven. It's been interesting the way that Ron has spoken in recent weeks because he's almost painted himself into a corner. I mean, he has not been shy about talking about this search for a franchise quarterback. He also has put it out there that it's time for the team to start to take this big step forward. I mean, it very much feels like he has to do something substantial at quarterback this offseason, which to me, it's always a dangerous position to put yourself in. Like, you don't want to ever make it so that you have to do anything. And yet it feels like he has to do something big at quarterback this offseason. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, what happens if we're sitting here next year and the and Washington has another seven-win season or a six-win season um, without any future uh, that's clear at quarterback? I think that really, you know... I, I think the odds are probably Ron gets his five years of his contract just because the, the franchise is such a mess and Dan Snyder probably can't really um, politically afford to move on from him. But I think you're going to have a lot of dissatisfaction among the fan base. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, again, if you're in this spot next year, that means you're writing off 2023 for development. So um, I agree. Uh, it's, it's desperate. Um, I think he, he recognizes how desperate it is, um, but I, I don't see any alternative. I think he's just probably being pretty honest about it. I mean, the one thing I will say is that, you know, the, Taylor Heineke has um, a lot of limitations, but looking back on it, you know, if, if somebody said, well, Taylor Heineke will give you seven wins in 2021, I think most of us would probably um, be pretty amazed by that. I mean, the guy... Uh, has the heart of a lion and um, you know he has obviously some physical limitations but um, I think it's kind of impressive that he won as many games as he did but I also think he's not the answer uh, long term as a starting quarterback. Yeah both of those things certainly seem to be true. 
so you mentioned desperation. One of the recent pieces that you've written for Hogshaven is predicated on the idea of Ron Rivera taking advantage of other desperate to win head coaches slash general managers. And the situations that you make mention over those of the Seattle Seahawks, Cleveland Browns, and Indianapolis Colts. And you get into this notion of Baker Mayfield, who I think is an interesting guy. I mean, to me, he's more or less a rich man's version of Taylor Heineke, but there is ability there with Baker. If he's available, do you think Washington should be in on Baker Mayfield? You know, I think the more I think about it, if, if the Browns are willing to part with Baker, I think that's probably the best of the options on our table, assuming, again, Ken Zampezi, who was his QB coach in Cleveland for a while, um, thinks that's a decision worth making. I mean, it's it's kind of, I compare it to Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. I mean, nobody knew Wentz better than, than Reich did when they worked together in Philadelphia, and probably Zampezi's in a similar position. If he, if he feels like Mayfield doesn't have much of a future, then obviously you don't pursue that option. But if he feels like, well, give me a few months with Mayfield and we'll get his mechanics back and he'll be, you know, uh, playing, um, you know, top Baker Mayfield ball, that would be a really interesting option. And um, I just can't really get the sense exactly where the, the front office for the Browns is right now. I mean, they seem to be saying the right things that they want Baker back. But the reality is, is that he's been pretty underwhelming there and like Washington and like Indianapolis, they've got teams that are basically built around waiting for a quarterback. I mean, a lot of young talent. Uh, they spent a lot of time um, drafting pretty well, and they have to have a quarterback to take them to the next level. And the question becomes, is, is Baker that guy, or do they want to enter the QB sweepstakes again? So, um, yeah, I think it's it's an intriguing option if Cleveland's willing to play ball. It's funny you mentioned being ready for a quarterback. That was something that Ron Rivera talked about at that state of the team press conference that he did last Tuesday afternoon. As you look at Washington's roster beyond the quarterback position, does the roster strike you as franchise quarterback ready, for lack of a better phrase? Like if you were to drop in a franchise quarterback onto Washington, the team would be ready to win, say, 10 or 12 games and maybe win a game or two in a postseason? Or do you think the rest of the roster still needs a lot of work to where even if you got the franchise quarterback, the team still might not be where we want it to be? I really think it is. And, uh, you know, again, I think probably a lot of folks think, well, oh, the offense still has a lot to be desired. I mean, if you look at how the offensive line performed, even with serious injuries this year, um, it was a top five offensive line. And, and I think a lot of that goes to the position coach, John Matsko, who's, uh, you know, wizard uh, with this kind of stuff. But he did a great job. Um, if everybody's healthy, and that includes Curtis Samuel, I think your suite of wide receivers is not terrible. Um, I think it's actually, it, it can be pretty good. I think Diami Brown, you know, hopefully takes the next step uh, this coming year. Um, and of course, Terry is awesome. Um, and the running back group is, is pretty solid, especially with J.D. McKissick healthy if he comes back. So I think on the offense, um, and, and the tight end group is pretty good. I think on the offense, you know, with some improvements this offseason, um, they're in a great shape. I think, you know, the story to me of the 2021 season was how awful the defense was, uh, especially for the first half of the season. I mean, we heard about how talented they were, and we all know the amount of draft capital that was poured into that group. Um, 
but I think, you know, we need a middle linebacker and probably could upgrade at free safety there. But otherwise, I think it's a really, it is a really talented group. I think they just need to uh, be coached better and uh, be used properly. But I, I think this is, aside from the quarterback position, one of the more talented teams we've had in a long time. Do you think that both Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio should be back with Washington for the 2022 season? <laughs> I, I think Turner should definitely be back. I think, you know, you, again, you look at what he's had to work with and it hasn't been much. And he, you know, he's, he's still clearly uh, getting comfortable in the role, but I think he's got some promise. So I would say yes. I think I feel a little differently about Jack Del Rio. I feel like if you could upgrade the position um, solidly, that I would, wouldn't um, mind seeing a, a different defensive coordinator. I think he bears a lot of the responsibility for the defensive poor performance uh, last year. Uh, I think Landon Collins, you know, was playing out of position for a big part of the season. Um, I think that uh, the defensive line, you know, it's, I still really don't understand exactly why the defensive line was playing much better without Montez Sweat and Chase Young than it was uh, with them. Um, and, you know, there's conversations about where they, you know, not adhering to gap integrity and that sort of thing. But, but somebody needs to answer, I think, for that. And um, and I think it's Del Rio. I thought, you know, when he sort of laughed that question off a week ago um, at one of the press conferences, I felt like that was pretty um, pretty brazen of him to think that he's, you know, going to have job security with the 28th best defense in the in the league after last uh, after the prior season. So um, I think there's room for upgrade. I don't necessarily think that that Ron will upgrade there. I think he's got, you know, he's pretty loyal to the folks around him. And I think that probably Del Rio is right to feel secure in the position, whether he should or not. I do want to ask you about another recent piece that you've written for Hogshaven. The piece examines the Washington players who provided the greatest values in the 2021 regular season. Your methodology features pro football references, approximate value metric, and player salary cap hits. So a guy with a bigger salary, like a Jonathan Allen, is at a disadvantage, but the results were interesting. Cole Holcomb was the most valuable player on Washington in the 2021 regular season. Terry McLaurin was number two. Antonio Gibson was number three. Taylor Heineke was number four. Cam Curl was number five. Were you at all surprised by what your annual exercise revealed? Not really, because again, I've been doing this for about four years now, and uh you know, last year, Cam Curl was uh, the top guy. Cole Holcomb, I think, was second. Terry was probably third. So it's really, it is hugely about hitting on these guys who are in their rookie deals, um, you know, especially the guys who are not first-round draft picks in their rookie deals, who are um, above-average starters. So obviously, Cole, Terry, uh, Cam, all of those guys fit into that category. Uh, Antonio Gibson does, too. So, um it's it's really a reflection, I think, um, primarily of of drafting well um, and hitting on sort of those later round draft picks. I mean, I think some people, you know, think, well, if you don't hit on what whatever seventy five percent of the guys that you draft in a um, in a season, then the draft wasn't successful. But in my opinion, the reality is, if you can get you know, three strong starters uh, out of a draft, that's that's a pretty good situation, and it really take some pressure off uh, the back end of the roster in terms of having money to be able to do sign free agents or to, to sign your vets to, to second contracts. So um, it's, it's kind of a continuation. I will say the one thing that 
this year's um, that this year's analysis picked up that that hadn't happened in the last year was that um, we there really weren't um, there weren't so many under you know underperformers. I think you know you basically had um, William Jackson who was playing that probably out of position for a lot of the year and of course chase young who was injured for much of the year but the sort of the really bad contracts um that the team has had um lingering for the past few years are, are pretty much gone and assuming landon collins turns it around um you know even though he was a snyder signing uh i think he can he can bring good value to the team even at a pretty expensive price tag uh, but but the team seems to be doing the right thing with um with a lot of free agent contracts now, which is nice. Yeah, the team has done a lot of smart contracts in recent years. All right, one more item for you. We are rapidly approaching 2.2.22. I won't ask you what you think the name will be. I think most people are thinking the same thing. Probably commanders, maybe admirals, whatever. How do you think the day will go, right? We know that the announcement will be made on the Today Show There's going to be some other pomp and circumstance. Do you think at the end of the day, we will say, you know what? This isn't so bad. The team did a nice job with the rollout onward and upward. Or do you think that we're in store for a debacle for whatever reason that this new name reveal ends up going in the same vein as, say, the Sean Taylor number 21 Jersey retirement fiasco? How do you think that day, February 2nd, how do you think 2.2.22 is going to go? Yeah, I mean, I'm prepared personally to be disappointed by the name. I was a big Red Wolves guy myself. Uh, But but I think that, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be Sean Taylor level debacle uh, in terms of the the way that it's carried out. I'd like to believe that this um, activity is where um, that side of the front office has been spending virtually all of its time for the past you know, 18 months, and so this is going to be carried out with a certain degree of um, competence. Although, you know, given some of the leaks and other kinds of things, I, I do worry a little bit about that. But I think, you know, probably um, there's going to there's gonna be a contingent who are going to not be real happy with the name, but I think ultimately... Probably, you know, people are going to fall in line, um, at least temporarily. I'm sure the uniforms will look sharp and, you know, people will go ballistic over the fact that um, the color scheme of the logo, um, you know, is is somehow appealing. So um, I, I do kind of feel like it's a bit of a distraction, again, from, from a franchise that's not run pretty well. But I, I, I kind of, what I'd like to see is they talk a lot about, you know, honoring the past and sort of connecting back to the, the history of the franchise. I, I'm really curious, especially if it's something like, you know, commanders or admirals, how they're going to propose uh, to do that. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just as interested as everybody else to see how this whole thing plays out. Um, I'm disappointed that I don't think the fans really got the the role in the discussion as much as they said they would, but, but, you know, got to move on. Yes, that does seem to have been a token role for sure. Kyle Smith for GM, great work at Hogshaven. Thanks so much for your time, man. Really appreciated it. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Al. Well, Monday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which traditionally is a jam-packed day 
in the NBA season. And the Wizards on MLK Junior Day had arguably their best win of the season. The Wizards improved to 23-21 and with a 117-98 win over the Philadelphia 76ers at Capital One Arena on Monday afternoon. This was a dominant victory for the Wizards over a good 76ers team and a hot 76ers team. The 76ers came into the game having won nine of their previous 10 games. For the Wizards, this was their fourth win in five games. Uh, the Wizards in the first quarter trailed 2 nothing, and then never trailed in the game again. Now, here's what's especially interesting about this game. The Wizards, from a standpoint of players, were the most complete that the team has been all season. But the Wizards, from a standpoint of coaches, were the most depleted that the team has been all season. Head coach Wes Unsell Jr. for a second consecutive game did not serve as Wizards head coach to him being in the NBA's health and safety protocols. Assistant coach Pat Delaney, who had served as acting head coach for the Wizards in their previous game, the 115-110 loss to the Portland Trailblazers at Capital One Arena this past Saturday night was out for this game due to him being in the NBA's health and safety protocols. So you were minus West Jr. due to the NBA's health and safety protocols. You were minus West Jr.'s replacement, Pat Delaney, due to the NBA's health and safety protocols. And so assistant coach Joseph Blair served as acting head coach for the Wizards. Yes, the Wizards for this game were down to their third string Head coach. I'm not sure how often that has happened in the history of the NBA. Joseph Blair, by the way, was once a member of the Harlem Globetrotters. The Wizards on Twitter posted a video of Blair's postgame locker room speech that included him doing Harlem Globetrotter tricks with a basketball. Uh, good stuff. Here was Joseph Blair during his postgame press conference on this big win for the Wizards over the 76ers. Really, it was a really good team effort. I, I credit the guys for coming out ready to play. Um, we didn't have any big, huge lulls during the game. Uh, when we did go down a little bit, we came back with the same uh, efficient energy. And we had a really, it was a, it's a team effort, team win. Seven guys in double figures, that's a great win for us. We can get a lot of guys involved there when they came in, contributed well. Uh, I'm just pleased about the win. I'm pleased about our effort tonight, especially coming off the last game. Just to come back strong the way we did against a team as good as this one, it, it speaks a lot of our character. Yes, it does. Uh, the Wizards on Monday afternoon held the 76ers to just 7 of 26 on threes and just 28 of 60 on twos. So the Wizards played defense on Monday afternoon. Uh, Joel Embiid did get his. Uh, Joel Embiid scored 32 points, went 3 of 4 on threes, but the rest of the 76ers went just 4 of 22 on threes. Now the Wizards went just 9 of 30 on threes. The Wizards are not a very good three-point shooting team, but the Wizards also went 33 of 57 on twos. Bradley Beal was back for the Wizards. He returned from a three-game absence caused by him being in the NBA's health and safety protocols. Beal in 32 minutes, 39 seconds as a starter. One of three on threes, four of nine on twos. He only finished with 13 points, but he had six assists versus two turnovers, five rebounds, and a game-best time plus-minus rating of plus 20. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, had another big game. He went one of three on threes, five of 10 on twos, finished with 15 points, 16 rebounds, four assists versus one turnover and three blocks. And he did all of this in just 29 minutes, seven seconds as a starter. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, two of six on threes, four of nine on twos. He finished with 14 points, three rebounds, two steals, and a game best time plus minus rating of plus 20 in 28-49 
as a starter. But maybe the biggest key for the Wizards in this game was their bench. The Wizards' bench was excellent. The Wizards totaled 63 bench points on Monday afternoon. Montrez Harrell in 21.05 off the bench, 0 at 2 on threes, but 6 of 7 on twos, finished with 18 points and 7 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards. Thomas Bryant in just his third game this season looked good. Uh, Bryant in 15.43 off the bench, did go just 1 of 4 on threes, but he also went 5 of 7 on twos, finished with 15 points and 5 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards. So hopefully Thomas Bryant now is rounding into form. He missed the Wizards' first 41 games of the season due to having suffered a partially torn left ACL on January 9th, 2021. Uh, But Bryant looked good on Monday afternoon. He and Harrell especially, multiple dunks and just, you know, looking like the players that we want them to be. And with Bryant, that's especially notable again, given that this was just his third game of the season. Also, Rui Hachimura in just his fifth game this season looked the best that he has looked. Uh, 16-09 for Rui off the bench, 1-2 on threes, 2-4 on twos, 11 points and 5 rebounds. Rui missed the Wizards' first 39 games of the season primarily due to personal reasons. So the bench really was a force for the Wizards in this game. Starters beyond Kyle Kuzma really didn't put up monster numbers. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie in 27-14 as a starter, went just one of five on three, scored just seven points. So he did have seven assists versus two turnovers and three rebounds. Uh, there was also this uh, acting head coach Joseph Blair, two notable playing time decisions, or he at least executed two notable playing time decisions. Davies Bertans was back from a one game absence caused by a left midfoot sprain, but he very interestingly was a DNPCD. Now, I don't know how much of that had to do with him coming off the left midfoot sprain as opposed to him just being benched for the game, but it is notable. Davies Bertans was a DNP CD, so this is something to monitor. Uh, He, of course, has been a major disappointment since the Wizards in November 2020 re-signed him to that five-year, $80 million contract. Again, him being a DNP CD may well have been more health thing than anything, but uh, something to monitor. Also, Denny Avdia on Monday afternoon played for just two minutes, 44 seconds off the bench. Uh, Denny was essentially out of the Wizards rotation on Monday afternoon. Here was Joseph Blair during his postgame press conference on Avdia not playing much. It's always going to be a delicate balance. And if I could sit in here, Denny played a lot. You'd ask me about another player. And that's just the way it is because we're so strong across the board. And you know, as we're flowing and things are going, things are going well. So we just continue to keep things going well. I mean, we're, and that's nothing against Denny. Denny's always a hard worker. He's an amazing person. I love Denny to death. That's my guy. Um, and we'll just continue to just do what works best for the team and try to figure things out. As you know, just alluded to, this is our first time really getting everybody together again. So now it's about us finding that perfect chemistry that's going to work for, for us moving forward. Yeah, another guy who didn't play much for the Wizards in this win over the 76ers was Daniel Gafford. Uh, He played for just 8 minutes, 28 seconds as a starter, though he did deal with foul trouble. He committed four fouls in his 8.28 of playing time. So the Wizards now are 23-21. and They are eighth in the Eastern Conference. And next up for the Wiz, home to the Brooklyn Nets, Wednesday night at 7.
All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 232. We'll feature more on the Washington football team. We'll also talk Capitals and Maryland basketball off their games on Tuesday night. The Caps will host the Winnipeg Jets Tuesday night at 7. The Terrapins will be at Michigan Tuesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Ha, ha, ha.